He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Yo, ho, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, November 12, 2022. That was quite a midterm election. Our guest, episode 109, Adam Frisch. He made his case then, and oh, he's so close to Lauren Boebert, but Bob Marshall, he's made it through. Our guest in the past, check out his prior show. It's in the show notes. And now Bob Marshall celebrates sweet victory. Douglas County, Colorado, a Democrat. Yes, he was a Republican until Trump. A lot of us changed allegiances during Trump. We watched his behavior. Bob, smarter than most, a lawyer, Welcome back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, Bob Marshall, Colorado State Rep-Elect, House District 43. But first, our troubadour, with a tribute to his father, and appropriate for Bob Marshall, a veteran, a Marine Bob Marshall, but Dave Gunder's father, Henry Gunders, he was a man who served in the 10th Mountain Division during World War II. Henry Gunder is still alive and kicking. He was part of episode 21. And the song this week, I Give Thanks by Dave Gunders. We give thanks for that midterm victory. Arizona up for grabs as I record this Friday night, but it's looking good. I can go back to Phoenix, spring baseball, all of that. I like Scottsdale but I do not like Carrie Lake, and I do not like the people who like Carrie Lake. I do not like the people who like Lauren Boebert, and I spouted off against some of those people on Twitter. I also wrote a Colorado Sun column about Twitter. I don't think Elon Musk is good. I wrote about this. Check it out. This episode 122, Bob Marshall scores such a sweet victory We start with a word from Michael Bailey, then our troubadour, Dave Gunders, his great song, I Give Thanks. We give thanks for saving democracy in America. Way to go, America. Let's get past this MAGA situation. And now let the infighting begin between the Republicans. Thank you for listening, troubadour. Then Bob Marshall, what an interview this is. Please check it out. Find out the the behind-the-scenes stuff, not just about his victory this week, but about how he became a candidate and the civil lawsuit where I represented him against a Douglas County executive who sucker-punched him in an intersection at Broadway and Highlands Ranch Parkway. Learn all about it. It's coming up. Enjoy. Gosh, 
It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887, or online at mblawllc.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead, who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Troubadour. How are you? Fantastic. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom and happy Veterans Day. I'm here with my father. Happy Veterans Day to Henry Gunders, World War II, 10th Mountain Division. Are you kidding me? I get to speak to a hero like that on Veterans <laughs> I, Day? <laughs> well, I don't think, you know what, Craig? I, I don't think he's going to be on the phone. I don't think he's going to be talking to us today. Okay. But, um, but he wishes he wishes you well. I told him that I was going to be talking with you. Tell everybody where you are, Troubadour. I am in Greenwich, Connecticut with my, with my, well, my daughter's coming in from New York and my sister and her, and her husband are here and my dad and his wife are here and we're just having a family get together. Ken Ahor, on Veterans Day with your old man, how old is Henry Gunders now? Dad's 98. Is that 98. all? That's, That's all. That. And he's doing pretty darn well. That is so fantastic. What does Veterans Day mean to you? My dad graduated West High 44. That's good timing because by the time he got out of basic training, the war was essentially over. He right. got to serve in Texas and Oklahoma. You're old man, and I'll put in the show notes the episode where I had Henry Gunders on, yes. and we told this story that he grew up in Munich, Germany, and as a little boy had a great life until the Nazis. And then he came to America and he joined the military and he fought back with the 10th That's Mountain right. Division. That's right. He did. He came to America. He was about 15. He, he volunteered for the 10th Mountain Division. I think he was maybe 19 and uh, was shipped back over uh, to Europe and uh, was not a part of D-Day, but afterwards um, he, he was a big part of the, um, running communication lines 
um, from um, from in, in France as they basically as the Germans retreated. That is so cool. As yeah. Henry Gunder's son, how does that make you feel on Veterans Day? Wow. We all thank him for for everything he did, and all all the brave young men who went to Europe. And we think about the those who lost their lives there. I mean, it's uh, it's just something we can't ever take for granted, you know. But um, he was telling us a few stories today. My dad's never been one to talk too much about the war. He, today he was just telling us about coming back from Europe on a, on a transport ship and how the and how the uh, the, the sea was so rough that most guys were sick. <laughs> so, oh, jeez. You are yeah. so happy, but then you are sick to your stomach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he said he was he was helping guys, you know, oh, so they could, so they, helping them to the, to the edge of the, of the railing there so they could throw up. And uh, Now, why are just, you laughing at that? Although I'd well, have to say that one of the well, funny... Well, because it's a story... And, you know, because after the seriousness, uh, you know, the gravity of fighting in Europe, here's here's yet another task in front of you, which is helping guys who are sick to their stomach from just being seasick. Can I tell a story along these lines? My dad was in World War II hero, but he did go to law school on the GI Bill, DU before that. And then he raised a family and he took us on a vacation to L.A. and we had cousins, the Hunyus. They had a little boat. They took us out fishing, and right away those donuts that we ate on the dock were not doing good for me. And yeah. I went, I laid down thinking about when I was going to puke exactly. Too many donuts? Oh, and the, the sea, the Pacific Ocean the sea, uh, for me. And, and, yeah. and I'm just in that miserable state when out yeah. of nowhere— I hear my old man puking over the rail, and he yep. was loud. Yeah! <laughs> and it made yeah. me laugh just like that. Even then I yeah, got right. sick, and I was throwing up right next to him, and I don't think we ever went on a boat ever again. Oh, right, right. So. Maybe Cherry Creek Reservoir is more, yes. more your style. Yes. No, yeah. anyway, that's we don't go fishing a lot in my family, but your family in Greenwich, you're right there. On Long Island Sound, is that yeah. right? Are you looking at it right now? I am. I can look out right now. It's dark, but um, yes. And uh, it, yesterday was a gorgeous day. Today was kind of rainy, but um, uh, yeah, we went on on a, on a walk right along the shoreline yesterday. It was beautiful. Did you see what happened in America on Tuesday night? Well, I I I, I tuned in a bit, you know, and. Um, I, I can't say I've been glued to the TV just because I've been here with family, but uh, every once in a while I kind of check some of the races. Just um, like when the 10th Mountain Division went over to Europe, democracy yep. was in the balance, and I think the good guys won. We staved off MAGA, and I yes. told Trish and Sam, I said, Trump is done again, because now he's imploding. Self-immolation, he's insulting um, the governors of Florida, Virginia, and what is, is he? I, I yeah. yeah, that I've not been. I've not oh, been. Oh, it's to beautiful yeah. to watch. And then, oh. did you hear about Adam Frisch, star of our show? So did did I? I thought that I thought that Bobert won. 
It may Am go to a recount, right, from huh? way behind, but it turns out Donald Trump announced that rule that when you go to bed, whoever's the winner is the winner. So by MAGA rules, Boebert has to step down, and she's going to. No, I'm just kidding. She won, but didn't she? Let me tell you, she is a marked woman now. Adam Frisch is a superstar, even if he comes up a little short. And did you hear right. about my client, our other former featured guest, Bob Marshall, star of our show so, again today. And that was a win, was it not? A razor-thin win, and he just found out, and he did an interview, and he hustled down to the Capitol to be part of it all. This That's guy got activated, and it's just been an honor to not only represent him, but to have him do the podcast again in the glow of victory. I think yes. democracy got saved, and Bob's a Marine. It's, uh, I love to hear that, Craig. I hear the optimism. Say that again. You've cut out. You were saying you, you hear the optimism. In your voice. Yes. 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 I'm feeling much better about the chances for America. Maybe it's like 100 years ago when we had a spasm, but I have total confidence in you, my friend, because I give you the parameters, and you come up with this song, and... What could be better than I give thanks as you fell about your hero father and you were yep. with him on Veterans Day? It's yes, it's cool. I give thanks is a is a is 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 the the appropriate song for for Veterans Day. Right. And when you say I give thanks to you, it's your dad, it's also our creator, and you yeah. start off with the, the veterans. I mean yeah, I'm you know, and you know, it it's um you know, I mean, it's 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 general. It's giving general thanks for for the place we are right now. I talk about the songs of freedom or the the bells of freedom. The bell of freedom. That's right. Yeah. Right. Remember my one slight edit that maybe you should have rang a bell right there. Go ahead. Maybe you should have had a bell ring right there. You put thunder in the song, right? You had sound effects. Oh, I put thunder in the song. Yeah. I did put thunder in the song. Probably a little tacky looking back on it. No, it's a, you no. can always be fixed on your greatest hits album. I think this should be there. And it starts with the fact that you are kind of a religious fellow. Here you are talking about it being dark where you are, and it's perfectly light here. But yeah. that's the sunset. You remember how you started that song? That's what we love. Yeah, You're so I'm into it. In yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm bathed in light. Sweet mm -hmm. rays of sunset. Mm -hmm. And what do we shout on our walks when we're lucky enough to observe that together? Hashem. Hashem, our <laughs> Lord. Troubadour, you right, are the best. We give thanks. We give thanks. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's great. It's to a be beautiful you know, song. Show gratitude. Show gratitude. Could Whatever you, please you believe. Give, uh, please convey our gratitude yes. to Henry Gunders. I will. I will, Craig. And he's in the other room. And, um, and tell him and I, I think we in. fought. I think we fought the fascists and Bob Marshall fought the fascists. And we've scored a great victory in Colorado where he trained with the 10th Mountain Division to yep. fight the Nazis. Isn't that sweet? It is sweet. A sweet victory for sure. All right. Yep. Sweet travels, my friend. See you soon. Thank you, Craig. Happy Shabbat Veterans Shalom. Day. Shabbat Shalom. And to you. Bye-bye.
and otherwise a lot of people have so much affection for their pets that must come up all the time what's going to happen to scruffy what can you tell us about that michael bailey what you can do is create a pet trust in colorado you put money into trust and then that money is available and earmarked to care for the dog and it can last the lifetime of the dog or 21 years, whichever is shorter. And then when the time frame for the trust is up, you can dictate who 
gets whatever leftover money or I have several clients who will leave it to some sort of animal shelter or animal rescue to be able to care for other animals. How cool is that? You can go to Mike Bailey's office and he has offices all over and you could meet at your home, whatever. I love the way you practice law. You've kept it going for a long time. Tell everybody how they can make you their lawyer. So my phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. They can call me or they can go online to mobileestateplanning.com. And there's a link there where you can schedule an appointment with me. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims, 303-734-7156. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Now this is thrilling. Bob Marshall... In my studio, on the day we know for sure, he is the winner, House District 43. Welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Gosh, I think about the first time I met you, and before I go any further, it's Friday. We've moved this interview up a little. It's Friday afternoon. You have to get to the Capitol for what? Uh, they're having leadership elections that they had to delay from yesterday. I was the one of the problem children since it wasn't called yet, so... They couldn't count my vote, and my vote mattered when they were counting the vote, so they moved it to today. Holy cow, between prior guests Adam Frisch and Bob Marshall, I've been on pins and needles because I've been rooting for you guys, and uh, Adam I don't know as well as Bob, but I do know his opponent pretty well. I don't know your opponent, but you told me you ran against a MAGA guy, Highlands Ranch area, Douglas County. This is unprecedented. The other morning, I listened to George Brockler, and he said, man, we even lost Douglas County. And I thought, yes, yes. He declared you a winner before anybody else did. Well, I, I, I texted you. You had a pretty good lead, but way to go, man. Yeah, it worked out really well. And you know, my opponent was... Uh, no pushover. I was, uh, my team got mad at me the last couple of weeks that stopped saying nice things about him in terms of his work ethic and being smart. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, I defeated a quality opponent actually. So, well, good. Let's, let's be, uh, nice because let's show how it's done. I don't know the first thing about your opponent and we really didn't talk about that. We got busy before we go there. Can I just say that I thought about you driving over here hustling to accommodate you going to the Capitol? I thought about you when I drove by a McDonald's. (laughs) And I think about you when I drive by 
and IHOP. Do you remember our first meeting at the IHOP near Cinderella City? Oh, yeah. You were uh, looking over your shoulder the whole time we were down there. Why don't you tell the story how you and I got to know each other? Well, I'm blanking really on the specifics at the start right now. You caught me flat-footed. All right. Well, let me, let, me, yeah. let me lead you up to it, okay? I'm yeah. going to tell the Bob Marshall story as I know it. And I ended up representing you in some very interesting litigation that— if that turned out well, your election turned out well, we battled the forces of MAGA in Douglas County together, and then it's just been a beautiful thing. But I admired you because you were a lifelong Republican. You grew up, you worked hard, you went to what, Georgetown on a yeah. on a military ride too? Yeah, on the ROTC scholarship. Right, and then you uh, joined the Marines. You served our country. This is Veterans Day. I'm so honored by your presence. How many years a Marine? Uh, 28, 19 active, 9 reserve. And then you were a smarty pants, so you went to Cornell Law School, which is Ivy League. You aged that. You've had big jobs, Gibson and Dunn, as I recall. Uh, yeah, I worked at Gibson Dunn for a while. Right. Clerk well, for a federal circuit judge. Yes. One of the no, best like, men ever. Yeah, let's talk about him, because that guy was reasonable Republican, and so were you, right? Yeah, and I had a discussion with him on uh, um, the day before the election. Um, Tell, remind us of his name. Judge, si judge Seiler. Judge. We talked a lot about Judge Seiler in your first interview, so people can go back on the podcast, so we yeah. don't need to chew all the ground, but— there's a guy who you admired, and he admired you back. There's a special bond between federal judges and their clerks if they do it right. And I understand this guy does it right, and he's still alive and clicking. Tell us about him. And that conversation, as much as you can reveal. Yeah, I mean, he, I had no idea who Judge Seiler was when I went to clerk for him. He's the only federal circuit judge that had an opening when I left the Marine Corps, applied. He was in the middle of Kentucky. Um, what I thought was almost nowhere, Southeast Kentucky, but uh, one of the greatest men I ever met, a fantastic individual, um, makes you feel really good about your our federal judiciary just to know someone like that's on there. Uh, he always was trying to get along with everyone and, you know, no matter how many nasty fights were. And he had one of those, you know, how people have coaching trees in the NFL. There was a complete uh, attorney tree under him where, you know, the, <laughs> if you were a Judge Seiler clerk, you know, the entire U.S. Attorney's Office was popular. All the um, people that you trusted and knew what was going on, uh, yeah, they were, they're Seiler clerks. They were kind of special. And uh, so it was a great fraternity to become a part of. And you are one of the special ones, but you were even before that because you got married along the way. You've been married a long time. And along the way, I got to meet your daughter, Annalise who serves in the Navy, and she is special. Yeah, Way we can't go. tell her that because then uh, she'll stop trying. But she's so special, actually. She's uh, bought a van, turning it into a camper, and wants to live in it rather than with her dog. Um, yeah, so she's unique. I don't know if we want to say special. I have a kid like that. You know what? But uh, now you are going to be a state representative, and it's fantastic. But along the way, why are you a Democrat now? Well— if I could sum it up, it's kind of what I went through, except you were smarter than me. That's why you went to Cornell. And 
you decided I'm a lifelong Republican, but when he insulted John McCain, he being Donald Trump? Well, it was actually, I couldn't support Mr. Trump after he attacked Captain Khan's mother. That was the final straw for me with Mr. Trump. And then the final straw with uh, the Republican Party was when they kept supporting Roy Moore for the Senate in Alabama. Um, That's when I left the party. And then it was about, it was almost, I made it four years to the day uh, when I joined the Democrats. So left, I think, December 9, 2017 from the Republican Party and joined the Democrats December 9, 2021. Well, God bless you for your service. And we take these holidays seriously, like Veterans Day, like the 4th of July. And weren't you especially offended by Trump's speech on the 4th of July in Mount Rushmore? Uh, yeah, that led to, uh, you know, I had nothing going on the next day. So I went out to uh, that intersection in Highlands Ranch Parkway and Broadway and started marching with the huge American flag and a Biden 2020 sign. And I was wearing, you know, a big straw hat just to keep the sun off and did about six hours in the heat and it got a good response. So I decided to keep doing it. It seemed to make people feel better about and it's a good workout i've yeah. i've walked that intersection as part of our case because it got exciting there because biden bob as you came to be known it was covered by my newspaper I, i'm a columnist there jen brown colorado sun and we can tell the rest of this story today but you have to hustle because it's like highways crossing and there are walk signals and you got a good workout walking your rounds like Marine doing a watch, right? Yeah, I just circle it. And there was a little hill on one side when I go up that hill to get uh, better visibility every time I hit that that corner. So yes. You had to keep a good pace, but there's a lot of vehicles who watch you, honk at you. How many times did you feel like people were trying to physically attack you? Oh, quite a few. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think the sheriff's deputies were called to that corner uh, quite a few times, and there were a few times people, honest to God, honestly tried to hit me in their vehicles. I mean, just like a dog, you know the difference between uh, you know being stumbled over and kicked. Um, you know, because there was a lot of times people negligently, you know, they weren't paying attention. Um, but there were a few times it was pretty intentional and I had to jump out of the way. And you have a good sense of humor. I don't know if you developed that in the military, but... Uh, you've already said you were really offended by the slamming of the Gold Star family, uh, who were other people, not white, right? So Trump picks on them, of course. And you don't like racism. God bless you for that. And you realized that a lot of Trump supporters were okay with the Proud Boys and all of that. And you mocked them because they started showing up. Tell everybody about your interaction and how you started an idea to get satirical with them. Well, what happened, it kind of led up. I had uh, some Trump supporters come to you know, counteract what I was doing at the intersection. I got along great with the first group because I joke around with them. And, uh, yeah, we got along well. And I tell people, don't flip them off that were on the other side and be vicious. But then the group started getting bigger for the Trump supporters. And the new people were very nasty. And they'd get up in my face and scream and yell and say I couldn't carry the American flag. I was a socialist, a communist, a pedophile, which was very insulting to me because I was in the honor guard in Arlington Cemetery. And when I was 19, I was given the American flag down on one knee to a dead Marine's family in my 40s 
So I'm like, who are you to tell me I can't carry this American flag? So I warned them multiple times that if you don't back off, I'm going to remind everyone what flag you all should be carrying. And they'd laugh and say, oh, okay. Yeah, Bob, I say, no, you know, when Soros signs off on the expense report, I'm going to do it. Well, I came there to the intersection one day and they started in, I mean, literally screaming in my face, you know, you can't have that flag, drop it, you're not an American. So I just, you know, rather than fight with them, yell at them, push them back or leave the intersection, I went back to my car and opened up my trunk and put away all my Biden and American flag stuff and pulled out a MAGA hat and a Trump 2020 sign and a giant Confederate battle flag instead of the American flag because they said I couldn't carry the American flag. So I went up to the corner and uh, yeah, they did not like that. But I did that on the corner, shouting four more years for about uh, five to 10 minutes and then went back and put the stuff away and um, and, and it worked. They, and they made a YouTube out of it, right? What's that? Didn't they video it and make oh, YouTube? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So and it was it was kind that. of unfortunate because it, uh, like I said, I got along with several of them there, um, and I was trying to make the point to them, and it and it actually worked because like the next two weeks, anytime they started giving me uh, grief, I'd look at them and say, "You want me to get the other flag?" If, and they'd immediately get their people in, under control and say, "Leave Bob alone." You know, he, he's cool. Leave Bob alone. Um, We're but, talking about Broadway and the Highlands Ranch Parkway. And it was busy and it was interesting. And then more and more people started showing up. And uh, you kept walking with your American flag and your Biden material. As the election progressed, um, everybody got to know you in that community. I don't live in the Highlands Ranch, but this was kind of a big deal there, right? Yeah, and I had no idea because I had never been on social media. I'd never done social media at all. So it was blowing up on local social media that I had no idea. So, you know, I was surprised. I'd have people drive by and stop at the stoplight and start chanting, you know, kids in cars, Biden guy, Biden guy, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it, it blew up. And again, I had no idea what was going on. But it was becoming, a, I guess, a little bit of a phenomenon down there in Highlands Ranch. Biden Bob? Now, at this time, did you have any aspiration to run for office? Were you thinking in that direction? Well, as I joke with some people, uh, the fact that I got videotaped carrying a Confederate flag obviously shows I had no political aspirations. That did at that not time. work well for Mastriano. But you are such a different guy than Mastriano. He wasn't trying to be funny. You are trying to be funny, like that comment, yeah, when Soros gives me the money. You've got that delicious kind of sense of humor. It's an acquired taste. I acquired it at the IHOP and McDonald's because I like your sense of humor, but I like your passion. And now it's getting to the vital pre-election moments of 2020, and the sun is setting sooner, and there you are as dusk is falling at that corner intersection, Highland Ranch Parkway and Broadway, and you're joined by how many people and how many sheriffs? Oh, well, that is, yeah. Well, I mean, originally there may have been about 30 to 40 Trump supporters and 10 to 15 BLM teenagers that were there on the corner on that incident. So, yeah, yeah. talk about that incident because I think, I mean, I think justice prevails in the end, but it took a while because we're going to, you're going to hear about a criminal assault on Bob by another guy, but who gets the last lap? Bob Marshall. Tell it your way, Bob. 
Well, I showed up that day, didn't start doing my thing, but that day there was a much larger Trump crowd than normal. They had a van and a big loudspeaker and everything. And that's the end of September? September 10. September 10, 2020. Right. So I was uh, pulled up and I just refused to be intimidated from doing my thing. You know, I was my first amendment, right? And they were coming there to try and push me off. In fact, you know, this is a tangent on what we were going for, but uh, they'd post sentries at the different intersections because I didn't always go to the same intersection and they'd have a, you know, call their people to whatever intersection I was at to counter me. So I was walking, doing my thing and uh, a bunch of BLM teenagers, about three or four came running up and said, oh, we love you. Can we march with you too? And I wasn't thrilled with the idea because, you know, it was a dangerous intersection and there were teenage girls and talking and yakking and one had a F Trump sign. And I was, you know, trying to be pro-Biden, not anti-Trump. But uh, I was like, okay. So they started walking with me. And again, the Trump supporters all knew me. So anytime I came to the corner, they let me go by and let me, you know, I'd be polite. Let me touch the button and keep going. Um, but these uh, teenagers, they were being very nasty to them. Um, and it was getting, it kept escalating every time. And they started pushing them into the traffic. It was, you know, wouldn't let them get up on the curb. So I was like, this is getting out of hand. So, you know, I pushed both buttons and whichever one we could go back to, whichever corner. And I took them back to, a, you know, the corner we came from. But two adult Trump supporters followed us over and started harassing the girls. And then a third one came and I told them, well, can't you go back to your side? I brought them over here to get them away from you. And they're like, well, they came to harass us. I'm like, well, you know, you're the adult. Well, it just kept escalating because these Trump supporters kept harassing these girls. And one woman was coughing purposely in their faces. And this was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, it was just really bad and nasty. And one of the girls finally uh, coughed back at her from like six feet and was like, you know, said a comment. So then the Trump supporter threw, threw a fist and a melee started, melee, melee. And, uh, Melee. You and I have always disagreed about that word. And I, that suggests to me that the University of Colorado Law School isn't that bad. And I know Colorado College is probably better than Georgetown. Anyway, keep going. So, um, you know, I tried to separate everyone, and um, some cops showed up immediately because the sheriff's substation was only a half a block away. So there was constantly traffic of the law enforcement going in and out. So somebody came immediately, broke it all up, told, uh, you know, the four real, you know, two Trump supporters and two of the BLM teenagers sit down. So I sat there for, stood around, seeing if the cop wanted to talk to me for a few minutes, didn't want to say anything. So I went back up to the corner to get my stuff. My my American flag's trampled on and broken. What? Yeah, so, yeah. On Veterans Day, you're telling us that these Trump supporters trampled your flag? Well, it was during the melee. Okay. So it wasn't like they ripped right. it on my hand, jumped on okay. it. But, but That's yeah. fair. But it was the violent. I was pissed. I was very angry. Was the flag still usable? No, not really. I mean, it was totally soiled and, you know, the... the. So why not just give up for the night? Just give up your appointed rounds. Yeah, that may have been the smartest thing to have done. But you don't... You're, you are committed to walking your beat. Every time you... You went there, you had a commitment to walk those corners, intersection over and over, all four ways. I admire that. You did it like Marine, so 
If you didn't have an American flag, did you have access to anything else? Well, because of that and because of how they treated the BLM teenagers and everything, I went back down to my vehicle and put away the Biden stuff and pulled out the um, Trump 2020 and the battle flag, the Confederate battle flag again, to go up and walk the rounds with that to make the point, you know, I was just ticked if they, you know, it was ridiculous. You can't so, make a point without a flag, and that's the only flag you had left. Yeah. You just had to switch out the hat. Yeah. So I went up to the corner and, you know, there was at that time, maybe seven deputies all around. Um, and I was right there with them and the BLM teenagers didn't recognize me without my other stuff. So they, they were upset because they thought I was a Trump supporter. In fact, that was the whole point. Everyone thought I was a Trump supporter because, oh, Confederate flag, Trump's hat. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. This was before <laughs> January 6th. Exactly. So Right. You know, and Go ahead. I mean, everybody remembers the Confederate flags even being brought through the Capitol. So that was by Trump supporters. It wasn't Antifa. Keep going. Yeah. Well, it's a quick tangent on what you just said. You know, a couple of them said, oh, well, we're going to retaliate and have a Chinese communist flag with a Biden uh, sign. And I'm like, well, yeah, but nobody puts those two together. They just drive by and be like, yeah, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but yeah, Confederate flag, Trump. Oh, that makes sense. So, um, but really, cutting sharp satire—the person being satirized—they don't like it. They don't like being called out for their association with the Proud Boys and all those bigots. But if you're down with MAGA, you're down with that, and you were making the point and doing it according to your First Amendment rights. Yeah. So I went up there and was going to start my rounds and, you know, the Trump supporters were on the other side and they all knew who I was because I had done this, you know, once to them before to make the point to leave me alone. Um, So I hit the uh, walk button, started across the intersection, and then a Trump supporter came out into the intersection charging me and I started yelling and it was clear he was coming after at me. So I yelled at him, you know, get back, you know, don't touch me, don't touch me. There's a cop right there. I mean, literally there's a cop right there on the corner. Don't touch me. Well, he ran up and uh, swiped at me trying to grab the flag, I think, and swipe at my head. And I just sidestepped him and kept walking on. And then uh, I took like three, four steps. And all of a sudden I felt like, uh, yeah, I got sucker punched in the back of the head. felt like it was a rock, you know, it was just incredible. So I turned around and uh, the guy was still there on me. So I slugged him once in the face. Maybe twice. Well, I slugged him once in the because he was on me. And then he went, you know, he had thrown, got my hat off by uh, sucker punching me in the back of the head. So he went to grab my hat on the, and I hit him again. And then a uh, police officer had run in there and grabbed him and, you know, arrested him immediately. And they put the him in The sucker handcuffs. puncher. Right. The guy who hit me in the back of the head. Yeah. Who was that? Turned out, I had no idea who it was at the time, but it turned out it was an individual named Steve Peck, who is uh, the vice chair now of the GOP, and he was uh, on these- GOP where? In in Douglas County. Steve Peck. Yeah, and he was a school board member, appointed, never elected, but- uh, Douglas County school board member. And, uh, you know, he's on the board of the Ascent Classical Academies now. And uh, pretty darn sure he was, you know, in, at January 6th, he scrubbed all his Now, that Ascend Academy, I don't know all that much, but is that like that Hillsdale College? Is it like Christian conservative? I, don't, I think they do follow the Hillsdale curriculum, yeah. Okay, so he's part of all that. Thank God Douglas County Sheriffs were right there to see Mr. Peck sucker punch you, right? 
Yeah, you would think. <laughs> well, they arrested him right away. Yes, they did. They they put the cuffs on him. They did. And when he complained, they said, hey, man, we just saw what you did. That's right. All on tape, yes. Their body cams told a lot. Tell the rest of what happened during the hour that followed. Yeah, so... Uh, I, and I got to say that your memory may not be the best because you got clobbered in the back of the head. You end up going to the hospital. You had a concussion. and uh, But you remember... It well enough to talk about it here. Go ahead. Yeah, well, and I, most of my memory, you know, came when I got to see the body cam and all the different angles and the the camera. Because again, you know, it's funny. You're right. Once you're in the middle of a fight like that, uh, it, it wasn't a hundred percent of what I remembered when I saw it on on tape. Um, but yeah, it felt like I got hit by a rock, and I thought for sure it must have been his cell phone or something. You know, because I had a welt, you know, on the back of my head. Um, now give Mr. Peck credit, because he was clearly trying to knock that mega red hat off your head, and he didn't. I mean, he hit you hard enough in the back of your neck that the hat yeah. came off like a helmet would if it wasn't strapped. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, he did not uh, hit directly on the hat. He got me at the base of the neck, really, base of the skull. But the force was good enough to knock your hat off. Right, right. But then, uh, you know, the part, so they came to me, the police, you know, the deputies uh, wanted to talk to me, and a couple of them already knew me because they had to come out there so many times. Um, you know, and I told them everything that happened. You know, I found out later on the body cam, of course, they asked uh, Mr. Peck if he wanted to tell them what was going on, and he did not. They were going to read him his rights, so, of course, he's clammed up. He also had his cell phone in his hand, which we found out later, of course, was recorded the whole thing, and he refused to turn that over. Um we never did get the entire recording of everything that went on. He refused to give that, which um, I'm assuming it would have caught a lot of them, you know, pushing the teenagers into the traffic and all the other violence that uh, was going on with those Trump supporters that night. But uh, yeah, they had come to me, the, a corporal that knew me and asked if I wanted to press assault charges. And I thought about it for a second. You know, I don't like to escalate things, but I was like, this stuff is escalating. So I told him, yeah, yeah, I want to, we'll go ahead and do it. And they asked me, you know, do you know, you know, you're, you're going to have to testify. And I was like, well, yeah, I understand. I'm, you know, I'm an attorney. Yeah, I get that. Um, and then they told me to go home. This after about like 40 minutes. And as I'm leaving, you know, I was sitting there waiting for the light to go. They said, oh, you need to wait. And then they said, oh, our lieutenant showed up. And he said, anyone that was involved in a fight, everyone's getting a disorderly conduct. I was like, what are you talking about? You, you all saw it. You knew it was self-defense. And uh, it was clear, you know, as you saw too on the body cam, uh, one of the deputies that originally, the deputy who originally interviewed me, she didn't want to come and tell me. Uh, she was asking some of the other deputies to come because she, you know, it was obvious she knew it was wrong. She knew- you had to charge a victim with a crime yeah. after he gets sucker punched. What are you doing? Like, surely the DA would remedy that. Oh, of course not. Um, what? No, of course not. It was D.A. Kellner, who's GOP, and I I have five or six, you know, incidents where I'm just like, you know, it's clear that— uh, With who? What's that? You say you had five or six incidents with who? Oh, that I could have of where I don't believe D.A. Kellner enforces the law in an objective, even-handed manner. Um, I had an episode like that with a guy named Luke Craner. I think you're aware of him, and he was a victim of road rage, and he had some accusations against John Kellner, but explain 
what you had to do? Because I didn't know you then. You hired a defense attorney, and they also said they'd help you on the civil side. But the criminal case, tell us about the progress of that. Because it's not like John Kellner handles it personally. Let's be fair to the man. It's a deputy DA, and I was once a deputy. Did your lawyer try to explain to the person, hey, my client's a victim. He should not be prosecuted. Oh, yeah. They Once they got the video, it, it was clear that, you know, because that night all the Trump supporters, you know, were, you know, because I even asked the deputy, I was like, well, all the Trump supporters are going to hear, going to lie. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. The deputy saw it because um, they were saying, oh, I hit him first. I hit him first. Well, once we got the video out there, luckily, one of the police vehicles had a dash cam, caught the whole sequence of events. Now, wait a second. You're telling me that all the MAGA crowd that watched the event lied and said you hit him first, and then the body cams revealed that you had walked by the guy when he came back and sucker punched you? Yeah, he followed me in the, you know, he turned around in the intersection and followed me and hit me in the back of the head. It was clear he instigated the whole thing. So, right, uh, and then you bipped him back twice, but if he'd have knocked you down flat, there's traffic. It's dark. That light changes. If you don't walk fast, you're not going to make it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I forget where we were on the the well. Uh, yeah, so they they prosecuted, prosecuted yeah. in the Douglas County Courthouse. Yeah, and you know my defense counsel. You know, I guess without disclosing all our AC attorney client. Uh, Conversations. Well, you control that. You yeah. can say whatever. Yeah. He was absolutely shocked. He thought, here's the video. We show it to the prosecutor, and it just goes away. He's like, this is, you know, clear self-defense. You know, I've been doing this for 25 years. You know, we always claim self-defense as defense counsels nine times out of 10. It's not true. But he's like, yeah, yours is just absolutely clear. It's on video. Yeah. But they wouldn't drop the case, and they, it was, they had um, immediately sealed— uh, Peck's case, so I had no idea what they did with his. They, no, wait a second. And let's back up to that, because last we talked about him, Mr. Peck immediately got handcuffed when he complained. We watched this on body cam. Hey, well, what about that guy, he said, and, and they're like, dude, we saw you punch him, right? Words to that effect. And they hooked him up, put him in the back of the patrol car, read him his rights. He said, well, I better not talk. Clammed up. But then... Did he go to jail that night? Oh, God, no. No, they they let him go. They unhooked him? Yes. They and you, gave him the same ticket they gave you? Yeah, and uh, you told me uh, with your years of experience as a uh, DA in Denver that you couldn't ever believe or ever heard of you know the police handcuffing a guy, having him in the back of the vehicle, and then just letting him go. After they witnessed it, I could yeah. see it if they said, oh, well, the witness flamed out or their credibility problems. They witnessed Hmm. an attack from behind in an intersection, a tough, hard punch, a sucker punch. I just believe you can't have people sucker punching. And you know what? Maybe they didn't have to arrest him, but they had to charge him with assault, but they didn't. No, no. And again, when the, the assault happened and they saw it, they thought I was a Trump supporter which is, you know, the interesting twist on it. They thought it was a Trump supporter um, who on I an, was. On another Trump supporter. Yeah, yeah that, That's what's going to happen now. All the Trump supporters and the GOP are going to start hitting each other in the head with the DeSantis, Youngkin. We'll get to all of that, but that's where the real civil war is going to be because guys like you won on Tuesday. 
The American people won out. Highlands Ranch voters won out. And we ended up winning because after, what, over a year of prosecution right before the trial, they dropped the case? Yeah, literally just a, and I was actually ticked because I wanted to rip those people apart in, in the courtroom. Uh, you know, the, both the MAGA people, you know, Mr. Peck and, uh, you know, the deputies that were you know, now saying. But yeah, they chickened out with just a few days before trial. And after nine months, they wouldn't drop it. And, it, you know, it was just ridiculous. But there's the thing about Bob Marshall. You see, he's a Marine and he doesn't let things go. And if they're not going to charge assault, he knows you can charge civil assault. And your prior lawyers filed such a lawsuit, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. And along the way, you said, I could do better, and you hired me? Yeah, you, you yeah, I have to give you a good plug. I was, you know, it was very helpful for you to come in and, you know, finish it off. Great closer. Thank you. And you finished off those pancakes at the IHOP when we met, and I heard your story, and I had to disentangle from a law firm where I rep. Well, I didn't represent Tina Peters. Uh, Harvey Steinberg did. So this was perfect. Because I like litigating against MAGA. I admire what you did. Yeah. You, the way you changed your mind as a reasonable Republican and said, Donald Trump's beyond the pale. And it's not just Donald Trump. It's the people out there in Douglas County. I don't pretend to know Douglas County. I go out there. It's our neighbor in Arapahoe County. But you've you've... You've seen the underbelly of Douglas County Republicanism. Is it good? And is this a sea change with your election? No, I don't know. I hope there might be. Uh, I think I mentioned to you once before there was uh, a couple GOP operatives that came to me uh, when I was first dipping my toe in to run back, I think, in March or so. And one of them was a very longtime operative and stopped doing stuff in 2016 because they couldn't stand Trump, but they were still tied in. And they said, look, we know your background. We know who you are. We trust you. We like you. And we think the best thing that could ever happen to the Douglas County GOP is to get their bell rung here in Douglas County and lose um, a seat like yours because they don't think they can lose at all. They don't think they need to change. You know, if you win this seat, you might actually be able to save the Republican Party from itself in Douglas County. So, um, And you were a Republican for how many years? God, probably 30 plus. And you liked it in Douglas County. You chose that community because you liked your neighbors. You thought, what? Well, it was kind of a compromise. It was, I didn't want to live in Highland Ranch because it was like a Potemkin village, but it draws you in because everything was well run. You know, I grew up in Evergreen, but everyone said, ah, oh, you can't live up that in the mountains and work at Gibson Dunn, you know, with all the work. Well, you know, in hindsight, it was like, well, yeah, going down Broadway with all of the lights, it takes just as much time as to jump on Sixth Avenue after six when there's no traffic and get home. So, but uh, yeah, it was a good community. Like I said, they, everything there is well run. You, you can't, you know, I, when we have massive ice storms or, you know, snow and Denver's sitting there trying to dig out on their third day, I get ticked off if we don't have our cul-de-sac uh, cleared out the next morning at yeah, 8. Yeah, I just think if you were coming down 6th Avenue from Evergreen, you might have been in that yeah. icy accident of 100 cars. I thought yeah. about that driving that route the other day. But you're in Highlands Ranch for a long time. How did you decide, when did you decide to compete as a Democrat for House District 43? Probably, I mean, it probably only really came up, uh, 
maybe February or March of uh, this year. February, March, probably March, about March, I think. So how does one go about doing that? Uh, What, you mean, well, I got recruited by the the Democrats. Nice. Uh, But you had gotten attention, because this isn't your only battle with Douglas County conservatives. And Steve Peck's not the only time you had a run-in with the Douglas County School Board. Am I right? Right. I've uh, got a lot of notoriety for uh, the open meeting lawsuit that I filed and got the injunction with on... uh, you mean uh, when they fired, yeah. fired Corey Wise without following the rules? Exactly, exactly. And you and, took that all the way and forced a hearing on that with great lawyer Steve Zandsberg, as I recall? Right, we got the preliminary injunction, and we're still waiting on uh, the permanent injunction. The other side, they filed a discovery request the other day. On, I mean, I, it's insane um, the amount of money that they're wasting uh, for no reason. I don't, uh, you know. Discovery on me asking who's paying my legal bills, and they're asking me to admit that uh, you know the Colorado Education Association. Pay- it's just ridiculous st- you junk. You can say Steve Peck is paying my legal bills. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got a very nice settlement with no disclosure agreement, which- and you got to pop him in the face twice, and he had. I mean, his entries <laughs> don't don't sucker punch Bob Marshall. Is all I can say because Peck. He had black eyes, and I mean, so, but you were defending yourself like a Marine. Did you get that training in the military? Um, yeah, well, we all get some. Yeah, the McMap, the uh, Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. You're looking good. Bet you weren't French cuffs. You're ready for this capital appearance. So when I knew you, you were swamped with all this litigation, and now you are a rising star in the Colorado Democratic Party. How does it feel? Well, I love my colleagues. Uh, it, it's kind of funny because there's only two that would even give me the time of day for the last, yeah, since we started running the House Majority Project. They were very honest with me at the start. I went to visit them and they said, uh, oh, they were just thrilled that I was running because they're like, yeah, the GOP hates you so much. They're going to throw so many resources in there just because they hate you. It'll take resources, you know, so they won't be spending them in other races, but uh yeah, you ain't going to win, and we ain't helping you. <laughs> and they, they kept to that promise, <laughs> even even like uh, two weeks before the election when we had some you know pretty good feedback that this is going to be pretty darn close and begged them for some help. And uh, I don't want to talk out of school, so I won't name who it was, but uh, someone with the authority to help basically said, uh, you know, in no way, no shape, or form is any Democratic race viable in Douglas County. Well, that turned out not to be true. So, um, yeah, there was two reps, uh, Jennifer Bacon, who's from North Denver, and uh, David Ortiz that, uh, you know, gave me good moral support. And because of that, you know, I'm a loyal guy, you know, Semper Fi. So, you know, I'm considering Jennifer my mentor um, going into the legislature and David, uh, you know, good friend and ally. And I'm listening to them on, you know, leadership questions and everything now. So I'm hoping to still get... uh, you know, their friendly support. But Jennifer was even, she called me immediately election night and told me, uh, or the next day, that when my name flashed across at the main watch party, yeah, I wasn't down there. We had our own little one in Lone Tree at the state Democratic headquarters that I was up by a thousand in Douglas County. 
everyone, they were like, who the hell is this? <laughs> she was the only one who knew. And she's like, yeah, he's he's an interesting guy, let me tell you. <laughs> so I was down there at oh, the Arda yeah. Hotel, but I had a guy put his arm around my neck from behind, and it was Phil Weiser who said, come on up to this back way. And I went up to the fifth floor, and I ended up hobnobbing, saw Bill Ritter, my old buddy saw John Hickenlooper, saw you in the wiser room, and I was just like that, Bob Marshall, yes! And people are like, who's Bob Marshall? <laughs> exactly, right. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and tell us about the experience. I ran for office once, and it was a downer because I lost, and it wasn't even close. But you, did you know what to expect? What did you think? Well, I I was shocked how many people are shocked I won. I had I expected to win. I only had doubts actually. I got COVID um, and got knocked out from October twenty to October thirty, which were key, as a key time. I couldn't be out there interacting with people, and and I was actually not even able to be really on the phone because I was breathing so hard. Um, and at the time, my opponent had totally changed his entire strategy because he understood what was going on, that I was going after all the unaffiliateds. Not, it wasn't going to be a D versus an R race there. Well, tell us your strategy. How did you gain this confidence? Well, I mean, the strategy really was... Uh, How does HD43 break down Republican, Democrat, unaffiliated like me? There's 14,500 active registered Democrats, 22,000 active registered Republicans, and 28,000 active registered unaffiliated. So again, if you just uh, are going after the Democrats, you're going to lose. That's just all there is. And again, I'm a middle-of-the-road guy anyway, so I probably wouldn't be starting there. So I mean, the way I really kind of think— You are a freaking Republican. Yeah. Keep going. So I mean, uh, probably the best way to describe it is I— probably started in the middle and I was trying to gain two votes to the left and one vote to the right um, by everything I did. And that's just who I am. So, you know, most of the Democrats usually start from the left and then try and build towards the middle. Well, I was already sitting in the middle. So, you know, again. So how do you get them? I'm unaffiliated. Would you knock on my door if I was in your district or what? Oh, yeah. And we sent out some good mailers. Um, you know, a couple things I think that were very helpful you you saw my van, which turned out not to be very a good idea because I looked like a contractor. People thought I was just a plumber or electrician. Can I post that on my site? Yeah, sure. Okay. But the thing that was very helpful, I thought it would be okay, but it was uh, a huge game changer, actually, was I have this World War II Jeep with um, 50 cal mounted on it, and that got so much attention, good and bad, because I had the progressives angry at me for you know the 50 cal on it. So, I mean, I kept trying to, th- well, should it compromise? I was, you know, I threw the cover on it, the rain cover, and then uh, I was thinking, I had so many of my progressive colleagues so angry about it, I was like, well, all right, I'll just take it off and put an American flag on. I, you know, I don't care. But the flip side was I had so many people that uh, were like, that's not a normal Democrat. We like this guy. And if I had taken it off, you know, then it would have been like, oh, he just bends over, you know, you know he's a wimp like all the others. But it was, uh, you know, a good game changer. And then, you know, I started getting vandalism on all my vehicles, so I had to bring them in the last three weeks. It was pretty bad. Um, like what? Well, I had w- one of my cars keyed, and it was like $1,400 in damage. And then they were destroying signs, and they were putting stickers, you know, Heidi Ganahl stickers, and the these other stickers they made just to mock me. 
Um, and that was another thing is it started getting real nasty. They came out with a horrible smear campaign. But the flip side was they were. Were you having gay sex in San Francisco? No, it wasn't that bad. And my opponent, at least, uh, my supporters were really angry at some of his smear. He sent out mailers, you know, with uh, comments about me, and uh, I took it kind of with a grain of salt because the uh, it was disturbing. But they were like an actual true fact, but then they misrepresented. So exact, they said, "Oh, he punched uh, um, somebody at a public event." It's like, well, yeah, that's absolutely true, <laughs> but you left out it was Twice. a self-defense. Bip, bip. <laughs> yeah. You don't sucker punch Bob Marshall. Just a little lesson for you. <laughs> You're mad. He's going to take your house seat away. We said we'd say nice things, though, about your opponent. Say some nice things, because I've never met the man. Yeah, Maybe it's Steve Peck's nice guy. You know, that sucker punch might have been out of character, and he apologized. I mean— Money talks, and and uh, so well, that's something though too. Is uh, you say money talks, but uh, as you know, the insurance kind of picked that one up, right? And, and I've been having pushback from uh, the Republicans down there that I'm just a shakedown artist um, because I'm an attorney and I knew I was going to be able to shake down the insurance companies. But as you may recall, you know, part of it, um, I had problems with several attorneys because I really didn't want the insurance involved because I wanted Mister Peck to pay every penny. But um, you know the yeah that may you know I may be doing things on principle, but uh, well, the attorneys want to get right paid. <laughs> you know what? He has a lot of allies. As last time I looked, the allies with microphones and huge radio audiences, George Brockler, Dan Kaplis, they are allied with this current Douglas County Conservative School Board. Yeah, and so Mr. Peck, I'm sure would have access to their microphones if he had. A different version. Of course, we have the body cams and all of that. So yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it's it, it's an interesting situation, and we've got video, and you are in the house, so it's a nail biter. I mean, you seem like you're up a thousand. Did you say yes? It's over. I won. And then, what what sort of experience did you have when people said not so fast? Yeah, it was pretty bad because uh, I had people pushing me to, you know, who didn't know how to read numbers, who kept saying, oh, you won, you know, announce, announce. And one guy actually was trying to, I told him, stop. Um, and I'm, you know, pretty, you know, I don't get overly excited. I wouldn't have been overly elated or overly depressed if I, you know, you're going to wake up the next day and feel your fingers and toes. It's a good day. But uh, finally, about 10 o'clock, someone said, hey, they have 100% in. And there was, uh, I forget who it was, not, you know, but I was looking at it and it said 100% reported. And it had the numbers. And we were like up like 1,200. I was like, well, okay. This, and I had two people that were pretty solid saying, you won, it's over. So we announced and said we won. And then it turned out. Like and now it's how? On your active Twitter page? Um well, I gave a acceptance speech at like the watch party and people posted it everywhere. And then I put it on Facebook um, that we won. So yeah, so I announced, but then like two hours later, I found out, uh, no, they were only at like 85%. Uh, Oops. Yeah. And then the margin started getting whittling down. Um, oh, no. Yeah. And again, I stopped even listening or watching because thing you know, the reports kept changing and people kept giving me information that was wrong. So I was just like, I'm just not even, just tell me at the what end. What time do you go to bed on election night? Oh, actually, I went like 1230 or so. Okay. And then, uh, 
yeah, the margin kept getting lower. And then, uh, as you may, <laughs> we, we had our leadership meeting yesterday and I was one of the problem children that, uh, they wanted me to vote, but I voted, but I'm a provisional voter and I guess my vote mattered. So we, uh, couldn't, uh, continue with, uh, the leadership. I saw that on the news. Alec Garnett, who I saw at the Victory Party downtown, he's formidable. Has he been nicer to you now? Well, I, I haven't really had direct He's a great in. guy. Yeah. And his dad, Stan Garnett, was a friend of mine, and I helped train his dad. Boy, that makes me old. Anyway, bottom line is you have now just today, Veterans Day. How appropriate for a Marine. Tell us the good news I guess Alec Garnett has given the approval, and he's still the boss down there. Tell us the good news you got today. Well, about two hours ago, they uh, contacted me and said, at least the House Majority Project has declared me the winner, and they're going to let me vote. You know, it's not provisional anymore because uh, the clerk's office, you know, is closed today, so they can't, they're not going to announce or anything, but the margin's too high, and they said, yeah, he can't catch you, so we're declaring you the winner, so... Has your opponent conceded yet? No, not that I know of. But again, I just got called two hours ago. Well, you might listen on Saturday morning. What would you have to say nice about him, assuming he doesn't pull a Trump and not accept the result? No, like I said, I was uh, I was saying nice things about him two weeks before the end of the election. It was my like supporters. What? What's nice he's, about him? Yeah, he's very smart, very smart guy, and. Uh, where did he go to school? Um, I forget, but he has two advanced uh, uh, deg- master's degrees in engineering. He worked Ooh. for Lockheed forever. Nice. And uh, extremely hard worker. Uh, you, you know, he, when he figured out that I was going for the middle and he had to, I started running into him when I was out there like two or three times, him personally, personally dropping literature at every single house. So he had a huge mailbag satchel, walking every neighborhood. He he did my own neighborhood. And at first, you know, some people thought he was just trying to harass me because they're like, what, he dropped your own house? You know, because I had my campaign vehicles out there. So obviously it was my house. But uh, no, he hit the whole neighborhood. He was at hit. least he didn't key you. You didn't get keyed that day, did you? No, no, okay, no, good. no. What a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, and you know, some of the smear stuff, um, I thought, yeah, I get angry about. But like I said, they were like a true fact. Like I hit someone. And it's like, well, that's true. But he leaves out you know, self defense, and you know, and he, he put in there, yeah, he he waved a Confederate flag, and a you know, which sounds horrible. And you know, if they just show the picture, it looks awful. But. Uh, yeah, they don't give the whole context. Right. So That's what this podcast is for. So what are you going to do with all this power now? <laughs> I don't know about power. The worst part was I wasn't really prepared for the day after. We got to get some bills going immediately. And I had two huge lifts I wanted to do is get the teachers paid in Colorado and uh, the mental health institutions get them up and running. The mental health thing is a long-term project, though, because that's been a 50-year disaster in making. So that's not something that's going to be able to be taken care of very quickly. Getting the teachers paid, though, I think that's something, you know, if we just absolutely focus and get it, it's going to require money. You know, and we don't get rid of Tabor. Everyone, you know, it's a pie in the sky if you think the Colorado voters are going to get rid of Tabor. But Tabor, that's the whole point of Tabor is like you can go to the population, go to the voters and make the case. And we have the worst paid teachers in the nation. I mean, we absolutely do. We're between uh, Arkansas and Montana as the 48th worst paid state. And Mississippi pays their people better. 
So if you take it on a cost of living basis, we are the complete seller. Uh, it's embarrassing. So I think you can make the case to the voters. And if they know, oh, this is a problem and you're saying, you know, we need to pay for it. Um, I think they would. You know, we have so many naysayers like, well, they cut the income tax. You know, Colorado, they're not going to pay. It's like, well, yeah. If you just ask someone, do you want your income tax cut? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yes or no. Yeah. But you say, hey, uh, we need this amount of money to get our horribly paid teachers paid up to a normal wage. Like in Highlands Ranch, the starting teachers, 42000 a year. That's $21 an hour on a 2,000-hour work year. <laughs> it's like. Right. And then the Douglas County school district helped pay for this house because they did so many bad things through the years instead of just paying the teachers. And that's a problem. And that's what leads to people voting for people like Trump, bad education. That's why we reject Trump in Colorado, because we're too educated. Don't you agree? Yeah, you'd hope so. But that's what's kind of a weird thing is, yeah, we're Colorado's a very highly educated state, and yet we've let our entire public education system kind of fall down with Mississippi and Arkansas. Right, because the right attacks the public schools on culture issues. They want prayer back in the schools, stuff like that. And the majority of us say no. Same thing on pro-choice. Colorado, I think, helps save democracy. But before I let you go down to the Capitol, I think you are part of something special. And you, uh, I, I put on uh, Twitter a hashtag, Colorado Saves Democracy Day, because Colorado showed the way again, right? We reject MAGA, and for the umpteenth time, my wife and my sons make fun of me because I say, Trump is finished. <laughs> and I think he is now with this insult of Yunkin and De Sanctimonious, and they're starting to put together what happened in the election, and they're going to have a bitter war, but I think Republicans have to turn on him. Guys like Steve Peck, like where I used to work, Kaplis and Brockler, they'll definitely jump off the Trump train. They'll go to DeSantis or Yunkin or somebody else. They'll say, we never liked him. We told you we didn't. But guys like Corcoran and Dunn, They'll still be there. And I think the base of the Republican Party is more with Corcoran and Dunn. You know what I mean? So you are a Republican. You're in Douglas County. How does this play out politically? How significant was this past Tuesday your victory and that of your fellow Democrats? Oh, I, it'll be, you know, only time can tell for sure. But uh, at least there's no way I won HD 43 without a massive group of the unaffiliated and a good chunk of the GOP. I mean, I didn't get 100% of the unaffiliated vote. You know, there there were GOP voters voting for me. Um, so you put the right person and the right message out and have the right policies, um, you can bring the country back together a little bit, I think. Um, yeah, I think it can happen. How bad is MAGA? It got you activated, got me activated. Do you think the fever is going to break? How do we break it in America? On this Veterans Day, show us the path forward, leader Bob Marshall. Oh, I, I think it's focus on, uh, you know, you can whine and scream at them all day long, and that's just going to raise the temperature. 
but there are some real issues out there that there allow allows them to exploit. Like anytime fascism comes, there's real issues out there, and they have a simple solution. So I think we need to roll up our sleeves and work on the problems, like our education system, our crime and mental health systems, and show that the system still works. America still works. Um, and then they have no argument for why it needs to be changed. I felt that fascism coming. I don't know if you felt it. You're focused on your own campaign, but I feel like Tuesday was us fighting back. And maybe we can make it just a spasm like 100 years ago in Colorado, where up there in the foothills, they were lighting big crosses. You know, we got rid of a governor, Morley, and uh, who was a Republican Klansman. And Henry Ford was thinking about running for president in 1924, 100 years ago. Thank God he didn't. He deferred to Coolidge, his fellow Republican. But I hope the fever breaks. As she knocked on doors, was Trump a big issue? Was MAGA an issue? No. Um, we really didn't, you know, like I said, uh, that is something underlying, you know, concerns for me, like you, the fact that... That's not uh, an argument, I think, that works with the average voter who's not really paying attention. They know there's issues. And that's why a lot of, you know, you can't say, you know, I say all the time, uh, you know, not all Trump supporters, you know, are, you know, there's no way you can say they're all horrible people because they're not. Um, A lot of them know that there's a real problem and they're being offered an easy, simple solution from somebody, which, of course, is always what the demagogue does. Um, you know, so you got to get a better solution in front of them <laughs> before they... You, right, right. And you are a Democrat. You're in that spot to do it. I'm still unaffiliated. I'm worried about the Democrats because they can go too far left, toward too far toward socialism, toward communism. Yeah. That's a real concern toward uh, totalitarianism. We've seen that too in world history. That's why you're so important, Bob Marshall, because... With this supermajority, is that what the Dems have? You might be the guy who can pump the brakes. Talk about that. Well, I don't know if I have to. I have to see what they plan on doing. Most of the people I've talked to so far, even some of the guys that and women that uh, they say are progressive or whatever, I've had very. They seem very pragmatic, reasonable people. The ones I've talked to down there. So um, I don't know if you saw one of my commercials, but uh, yeah, it touches exactly on what you just said. Uh, you know, I'm in my Jeep and I just look into the camera and say, uh, you know, I'm Bob Marshall. I'm a Truman Democrat. You know, I don't like fascism. I don't like communism. I love America. And, you know, these are my three top priorities. You know, that's, again, uh, I've made that case before. I don't like calling myself a moderate because I'm not moderate when, you know, I'm more of a radical centrist. If something's wrong, as you know, I go kind of Captain Ahab, which isn't... <laughs> <laughs> that can cause problems at times. But yeah, I'm not milk toast, so I hate when they say moderate. But um, yeah, when you're in the middle of the road in politics anymore, it's you know, it's only roadkill out there anymore. But uh, the extremes want to pull everyone to the extreme. You got to try and stay strong and stay tough and look at both sides and understand both sides have uh, a point of view and a point and try and get to uh, a point where you're doing what's best for everyone and not just a faction or a group. So, Unlike Herman Melville, you have a happy ending. You caught the white whale. You're in a beautiful white shirt. Your tie is perfect. How do you do that? I've never <laughs> tied a tie that wonderfully. Well, and th- this is another, you know, I, God, I am so, I'm more busy now than in the campaign because it's just ridiculous, but I had to run from a, VFW, you know, Veterans Foreign War, I'm with the VFW in Littleton, 
and they were putting on an event and I was wearing my blood red Marine Corps tie for the VFW and I was just going to run down the Capitol and I had to think, oh, great. You know, if I'm wearing, I was wearing like the standard Republican uniform. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to endear me on the first day with my new caucus. So I had to put a blue tie on. What <laughs> yeah. are those cufflinks? Those look uh, special. Well, yeah, it's Marine Corps cufflinks that my daughter got me. Man, what a day. I am so thrilled that you came by the studio. My dogs love you. I thank the world of you because of your tenacity, and I like your politics. You're a good man, Bob Marshall. Best of luck to you. All right. Well, thank you for having me back. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if, you're to, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like, I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Hey, I have some exciting news. I am starting my brand new law firm. It's Attitude, mine. The legal skills, mine. The support staff, incredible. Find us online soon at CraigsColoradoLaw.com. Find me right now on Twitter at CraigsColorado. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hey, wasn't that something? How about the Bob Marshall story? Let's not have any last-minute surprises. You know, John Kellner came up, and he won a great victory, what was it, two years ago as DA, by ballot curing. Amy Patton was ahead, and then one of our excellent guests, Andrew Strutman. He's got to come back on the show. Andrew Strutman, who helped cure ballots for John Kellner, and got him the lead back over Amy Patton. The curing process will begin, hopefully not to the detriment of Bob Marshall. Thanks, Bob, for being a guest on this show. Thanks, Troubadour Dave Gunders. Thanks to everybody for listening. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. 
tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.